You are tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown, the official podcast for the Atlanta Realtors. We're here to keep you updated with the latest trends, topics, and keep you in the know of our ever-changing Atlanta market. We hope you enjoy this episode. Good morning. We're back with another ARA podcast. I'm Vic Collins, the 2022 Vice Chair of Communications and PR, and we have a very special guest today, uh, Michael Fisher, President-Elect for the Atlanta Realtors Association, and we have some really good information you're going to share with us today regarding how to help our fellow realtors sell better this spring. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy market. Um, my name is Michael Fisher. I'm the 2022 president-elect of the Atlanta Realtors Association, as Vic said. Uh, I also broker an office in town. Uh, my team does about $50 million. Um, I also sell personally, so I have a good pulse on what's going on in the market work with buyers and sellers and you know thought today we could talk a little bit about uh, the market and what might help you sell more this coming spring i also think a lot of these strategies are timeless um, we're going to talk a little bit about getting to know the other agent you're working with um, knowing when to be aggressive which is a, a really good skill to have in this market where you're getting multiple offers on every listing and then from there, just how to be an expert and how to leverage the local realtor association to um, help you be an expert in the field and really deliver the highest amount of value to your clients. Wonderful. Okay, so let's get let's get just jump right in with this first this first topic here. Yeah. Getting to know your co-oping agent. So, um, and Vic, I, I know you work a lot with buyers, and and I, I'm on both sides of the table with transactions a lot, and. Establishing a relationship early on with a co-oping agent is one of my um, favorite things to do when I'm trying to kind of figure out how to how to make a deal happen, and that transcends not just building a rapport with them as I'm about to send an offer, but uh, working and, and getting to know agents outside of the transaction. Um, but also, you know, doing things simple like when I'm making an appointment to sell the listing, I'm calling the agent and I'm getting to know them and I'm getting to know a little bit about the transaction and and the listing and the house that they're they're listing because nobody's going to sell it better than the listing agent hopefully and so i call them and and try and mm. establish some mm. some rapport with them so that you know i know what is going to help my buyer understand the value of that particular house and then i can articulate it but then if i have to work with the agent uh down the road when we when we decide to make an offer we've already built up a little bit of a relationship and i know you've probably seen that from the buyer side as well yeah i think you know on the buyer's side, uh, what's really important with working with the co-op is just keeping an open line of communication. I think the other thing I really try to do as well is I try to make things very simple for the listing agent. So uh, looking at private remarks and things, just kind of understanding how they prefer offers be sent over, who to send it to, just some key, just some key things that maybe you know you could easily miss. Um, it's just extra due diligence on. On, on the on the buyer's agent side, that that kind of helps out a lot with that relationship. Yeah, and, I, and I, I've always loved uh, asking the agent, you know, what what are some things about this home that I might not readily know by studying the listing and and knowing general information about the market, but not necessarily this particular home. Are there any little nuggets that I can pass along to the buyers that might show them um, extra value that that might not be readily available to see? And you know, letting the agent kind of explain to you why those sellers love the house or you know was there work done to the home that maybe we wouldn't see on an initial inspection through the home that could put some you know 
value in the, in the buyer's eyes um, on this home and help you be more of an expert as well. I mean, we, we're going to talk about that later, how to be an expert. But if you're just opening and closing doors, you're not really providing value. Um, anybody can kind of scroll through Zillow or Trulia or whatever, Realtor.com, and look at the houses and see the pictures. But where we come through is we give information and, and having a good relationship with that listing agent gives you the information that you're going to need to help your buyer understand what's so great about this house that you're showing them. And sometimes, you know, they may only have 15 or 20 minutes inside of a house to make a decision and they're spending a, a lot of money to make this their home and, and you want them to feel as good as possible about what they do. Absolutely. I, I think also like to your point um, of, I think what I'm finding with a lot of sellers, it helps with on the buyer side in the relationship is that transparency. Right? I've seen a lot of sellers do um, like, you know, pre home inspections and things. So it makes the buyer feel comfortable about, you know, submitting offers and they, they can already know they're going into a situation where they're going to be competing, but they feel good about it. And I think that helps with the agent relationship as well. So um, yeah, I think that's what I've yeah, been and The relationships is key. I mean, we, we are here to help facilitate and be information gatherers. And the more information we have for our buyers, the better decision that they can make about a home for them and, and you know, potentially their family. Um, and there's things like, you know, when it does, when a buyer says, hey, I think we want to make an offer on this house. If you come in and you haven't talked to the agent yet and you're saying, hey, I need to know this. I need to know when the house, you know, when the, when the sellers need to move and, you know, where are we going to fit and how competitive is this? The, the agent's going to get you know, a little tense on the other side because you're kind of coming now confrontational um, and, and you know, it's better to have that baseline relationship on the front end before it comes time to make that offer and, and you need to, you know, share some more critical information to the transaction. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, those are all good points. Yeah. Let's go to the next, the next bullet here, like knowing when to be aggressive. Yeah, so um, I, I, I love the, the, strategy of, of being aggressive in the right time. Um, I think if you were just to say the word aggressive, most people say, well, that's not a good characteristic or good trait to have. But um, I can tell you, personally speaking, and, and you can probably share some of the, the thoughts here on the buyer side, when I have multiple offers, it's generally the aggressive agents that figure out and unlock the puzzle to how on, on how to figure out what the seller's looking for and how to write the right offer. Um, I've had agents that will write an offer knowing that it's a multiple offer situation and they'll say things like, you know, any feedback on the offer that I have right now, is there anything that we could do to improve it? Where do we fit? You know, are we the best offer that's been submitted so far? Is if, if the seller were to make a decision today, would they work with our offer? And for me, I have different ways of answering that depending on who I'm talking to and, you know, what relationship we've established and what my sellers want to do. But it's okay to, for the for the for the seller to say and the listing agent to say no. You know I can't share any of that information, but a lot of times they're going to give you some information, and you can read between the lines as an agent to say, okay, you know, right now we're not maybe not the best offer, and then that gives you opportunity to improve your offer if in a multiple offer situation. Um, but it's okay to be aggressive, and and I find the ones that are assertive and work hard to make sure that they're delivering the best offer are the ones that generally close the deals. And so when you say aggressive, just so that it's clear for a lot of people, it's aggressive with 
understanding the need of the seller? Yeah, I think there's a difference. So I've been in multiple offer situations on the listing side where I might get 15 to 20 offers on a particular house, you know, something that's really well-priced and it's a great home and the sellers have done a good job getting it ready. Um, maybe five to six of those agents will actually call me and say, hey, we're presenting an offer and we want to know how we can appeal to the buyer, to the sellers to make this offer the best. The other 15 agents haven't even called me to understand, one, what the sellers are looking for, two, um, where, where they might be able to improve their offer. And so naturally I'm going to, in the best interest of my clients, kind of talk through some of the things that the sellers need, some of the things that they're looking for. And being a little bit more aggressive and, and a little bit more assertive with where your offer sits and talking to the agent can unlock some information about where you are in that situation. Yeah. Uh, but it also helps a lot with your um, house that's been on the market for a while, right? So. Everybody assumes these days that everything's going to go at asking price or higher, but sometimes you get houses that have been listed for 60 or 70 days and the aggressive now turns into, well, let's, let's make an offer and see what happens. And sometimes you find that a seller overprices a house and it's been sitting on the market and they can't figure out why it hasn't sold. And the buyer now has an opportunity to go in and be a little bit more aggressive on the pricing. And, and it's okay for the seller to say, Hey, no, we, we should get used to hearing no in the industry a lot. I think good <laughs> agents are comfortable saying, you know, asking first and then hearing no because a seller that says no, you're in the same spot regardless of whether you would have asked or not. But most of the time I find that, you know, you're going to get something that helps you close um, and, and, and get the houses under contract. And, and, again, you're just fighting for your clients. You're fighting for your buyers. And the aggressive agents are the ones, um, you know, that understand when to push a little bit harder and when to step back and, and give the seller some space. Does, when you're looking for this um, in the co-op, does that tell you or give you an indication of how you think the experience is gonna go for your client? Like the the fact that someone would pick up the phone and ask these questions, like generally is that, does that make for a better transaction. Yeah. I mean, you tell me, right. Would you rather work with somebody that's worked really hard to create an offer? That's the most possible appealing offer, the best, the best possible offer that you, that the seller might be able to see versus somebody that just writes one, doesn't communicate with you, doesn't just tries to guess on what terms might be appealing or not. Um, I'll give a good example of this. So I had a, a, a house listed and my client's they, they were living in the house and they had two dogs and they had a newborn at home. And I got at least 10 offers on this house out of 20 or so that had a closing in 14 days. And had they called me, they would have known there's no way in the world, there's no way my sellers ever would have been able to move in 14 days. So now that it creates, first there's a little bit of resentment on the, on the seller's part because they see that and they're like, well, we can't move in 14 days. Why would they write an offer like that? Um, had they talked to me, they could have said, you know, what timeline are your sellers looking for? And I would have said, look, 30 to 45 days is ideal for us. We can kind of work around that. Maybe a little bit of a lease back would be appealing to us. And so the agents that called me and said, what kind of timeline are you looking to work with? Those are the ones that wrote an offer that was most receptive to my clients. Yeah. And, and that, that comes with, it comes with getting to know your agents. It comes with being a little bit more aggressive um, and, and assertive in the transaction and, you know, that's what we have to do to best represent the interests of the buyer. And on the listing agent, it's my job to try and get the best offers drummed up for 
my clients. And the only way we can do that is by talking through the communication. Terms. Exactly. Effective communication. Right. Yeah. hundred percent agree yep. with you. Yeah. So let's, let's go to this third item here, being expert in your field. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about that. Well, I think so before we started filming or um, recording this, we were talking about, um, multiple offer situations and, and specifically the escalation clause. And I thought it tied in really well with being an expert because using the escalation clause is, is it can be an effective tool if you know how to use it. You have to be able to explain it to your client. You have to make sure that the co-oping agent on the other side even wants to see an escalation. A lot of agents out there don't like it. Um, so being an expert in the field can, can be really understanding all of the tools on, on the contract that you can use to make the offer the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've had a lot of success with escalation clauses here and there. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you've done there? Yeah, I think, so what I found, um, yeah, with that was we were, you know, I would submit offers without those, just, you know, wanting to be just kind of knowing the client, um, but then finding we weren't, being, we weren't successful. So using that clause has definitely helped in this current environment with win offers. And uh, to your point with having the relationship with the, the co-op, you know, you know, calling and letting them know, hey, this is what we're going to, you know, this is what we're willing to do. That's exactly what we did in this situation. Um, but also telling my client that this is what we're going to try and this is what it means to, to your other point right. um, also helps. Um, it's pretty effective um, on the buy side. So highly, I highly you know, recommend, mend it. Um, and it's setting expectations too. I mean, um, it sounds like in your consultative process, your expert knowledge of the conditions of the market you're conveying those to your buyers ahead of time. So you're not saying, hey, there's this great house that came on the market. You go and show it to them. They want to make an offer. And then you have to pause everything to explain what an escalation clause is and what the benefits and disadvantages of using one is. Mm -hmm. You're doing that on the front end and setting expectations. That's another thing that I think the experts in the fields are doing. They're really aware of the market conditions because they're active in the market. They know they built relationships with other people. They've shared best practices. And then they leverage that knowledge and and pass it on to the client so that they're extremely well prepared. Yeah, and comfortable. They yep. they completely, for the most part, trust their professional, right? So, um, yeah, and it's all that's done on the front end. Yeah, and then another thing that um, you know, to me, the experts are best at is knowing the inventory and being able to share that with the clients that they work with. Um, you know, if you've been in a neighborhood and you can say, all right, I'm going to pass 50 houses and of the next 50 houses, I've actually been inside 15 of them. And I know what they all sold for. And I know why the ones that were higher sold for more. I know why the ones that were a little lower sold for less. You're going to be the expert and and the client's going to trust you when you say things like, you know, this is a really good house. Here's why I'm going to make sense of all the comps, you know, that the, the client can go to Again, they can go to all these Zillow's, Realtor.com's, Trulia's to get information about the actual house, but all of that information can sometimes become static, and so it's up to us to make sense of it. And the only way to do that is to get out. Um, I know as a listing agent, I love when agents preview my houses because it gets people inside the house. I can get real-time feedback, and I can pass that along to my sellers to make sure that we're doing what we need to do to get the home sold. Mm -hmm. But then I also know, hey, this is an agent that is trying to educate himself in the market. And I 
can meet and, and interact with an agent outside the context of a transaction where, you know, we're immediately trying to make a deal happen. We've already got a base knowledge set up. Um, so I think, you know, that that's another thing that I, I like to leverage. And I think the good agents in the market, they know the inventory and they work continually to make sure it's not just working in the market 30 years. You can work in the market 30 years and have gotten complacent. Mm-hmm. You can work right. in the market for one year and know more than people that have been in it their entire lives. So, you know, I, I stress and, and urge and encourage people, get out, see houses, understand the markets that you're working in. If you're new and you're taking out a client in a market that you haven't worked in before, go out a day before and drive the neighborhoods. Go and drive by listings. Make sure you feel like comfortable with what you're showing, make sure you feel comfortable with the inventory, go see comparable listings that have sold. If nothing else, be able to drive by them and, and kind of understand the context and the pulse of the market. Mm-hmm. That's what experts do. Um, you know, we, we got to get around just opening doors. Yeah. I, I think the other thing that experts do is they, you know, they put together a very well constructed offer. Right. And when they, one of the things we were talking about before uh, we locked on to, to record, it was how to, you know, what does that look like in terms of like some of the other important terms? Like what we're, what I'm also finding is, okay, once a seller sells, you know, where do they go? So it's not necessarily a, a short window of closing time they're looking for because they have to find a place. So what I'm often finding is they need 40, you know, or longer days, right. To find a place. Right. So that's more, that's more common than, Hey, I want to close in 30. So you would know that if you called and spoke with the co-op, right, and just kind of understood that situation. And the other thing is keeping the contingencies very short as possible, if any. Um, And be able to to articulate, too, the pros and cons of each side. mm -hmm. I've I've had clients that will say, look, my lease doesn't end until three months from now. So I'm very comfortable giving a longer closing period and a lease back. I can mm-hmm. also close in 14 days if I find a vacant house. Yeah. And so for them, timing doesn't matter, but it would matter for the seller, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, on the same note, you know, I've had people that say, look, if it under appraises, I don't have you know, more than a couple thousand dollars to pay the difference between an appraisal or not. So those people still need an appraisal contingency mm-hmm. and you find other ways to improve the offer. Yeah. So kind of talking through those things and, and really knowing the contracts and knowing you know, the difference, being able to articulate the difference between, say, a temporary occupancy agreement and a leaseback. You know, that's a big thing that we that we see, you know, in that same context. Well, is, well, take, take a minute or so and tell us. Like, yeah, well, you us. know, the temporary occupancy, you're basically saying that the seller is allowed to stay past closing at no cost. So you're letting them effectively stay for free for 30 or 40 days, which has a, a value proponent in it. The leaseback is the same principle, except that the sellers, once they sell, become tenants and they pay rent to the new owners for a period of time. So, you know, if you're doing a lease back and, and it's $5,000 a month or $3,000 a month, that cost can be worked into the offer that you have. So, you know, I've seen situations where the lease back brings down the ultimate value of the offer versus one with a temporary occupancy agreement. And so explaining that and articulating that to the client can be, can be critical in, in figuring out, you know, how to deliver the most value and put together the best offer. Yeah. And, those are very great points. Uh, along with, we were talking about the due diligence period versus the right to request repairs. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's crazy. I, so I've been doing this eleven years, which which isn't that long. But the right to request repairs, I don't think I saw a single one until last year. Like mm-hmm. maybe twenty twenty, I saw one, and then twenty twenty one, I saw 
a lot, and then this year I'm seeing them almost on a regular basis. And being able to articulate, hey, right to request repairs is a, you know, basically a knockdown version of a due diligence, which gives the client full, you know, back out ability, if you will, and being able to explain those the the pros and cons. And, and I found, too, with the right to request repairs, sometimes I've got to explain it to the listing agent mm-hmm. because they may have never have seen it, and they've only worked with the due diligence period, so they don't even know exactly what the right to request repairs does that's differently or that's different from a due diligence period. So, um, you know, being an expert means knowing the contracts, knowing the different things that deliver value to a seller, knowing the market, and being able to articulate what's going on in real time and mm-hmm. cutting through all the stagnant for the clients. Um, you know, it works on both sides of the of the table. And w- and what's key with all of what we talked about today is, you know, a lot of these are not this information. They're on GAR forms. Yep. Right. So uh, I don't even know if people know they can go out and find a GAR form for almost everything. Yep. Um, that w- that will help. Um, so that's that's for our membership, right? To yeah. take advantage of the the forms that are out there that will help make your offer stronger and. Yep. Um, become an expert in the space. Yeah, and Atlanta Realtors that we offer, um, you know, at the association, I mean, dozens of CE classes, both CE and non-CE classes, some of them on contracts. You know, every year we update these contracts to reflect the market conditions, and um, they change. And so making sure you know them and coming into the association not only allows you an opportunity to better know the contracts and what's changing and then how to leverage them in in this market, but also allows you to hang out and see other agents that are in the same market and going through the same thing and sharing best practices. Um, We also have a lot of marketing classes and technology classes and things that will help improve your ability to help your clients sell and ultimately help you guys close more deals. Amazing. So final thoughts from President-elect Michael Fisher. (laughs) I mean, I I think um, you hit it on the nail when you said effective communication. I think what comes back to all of this is, you know, this is a tough business to make it in, and you've really got to work hard on behalf of your clients. And it's not just working hard when you're out showing houses. It's it's you can't do this thing part time and do a good job. Um, but figuring out how to effectively communicate and being confident and being articulate and being knowledgeable with with the transaction and and how do you get to I want to buy a house too. I'm taking pictures at the closing table. It, it ties into these things. And these things are just three things that really um, I found help, have helped my business. I've, I found, you know, in, in this business, good agents have common traits. And so um, getting to know those things and, and putting them, building them into your business is going to help help you deliver more value to your clients and, and help you be more successful in this business. Amazing. All right. Well, that's a wrap for Appreciate you having our me on. podcast today. And, Enjoyed that. And it's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's great. Um, the Realtor Association is here to support our members. And, you know, if, if you've got best practices, please bring them forward and just wish everybody the, the best in, in the coming months. Thank you. And thank you. All right. And that's where we're wrapping up today. We love to uh, give a shout out to our Diamond Level partners, uh, Atlanta Peach Movers, Campbell and Brandon, FMLS, First Multiple Listing Service, G&G Hub, Georgia Natural Gas, the Hudson Law Firm, Wiseman Law, and Diamond Education Partner Capitus. Uh, we have some awesome, awesome partners. And if you're looking for great vendors, uh, feel free to reach out to any of these uh, wonderful organizations to help you in your business.
Thank you for tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown. Please subscribe. And for more information on how to get engaged, check us out at atlantarealtors.com. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode.